Welcome everyone to today's devotion. We're in Hebrews chapter 4. And Hebrews 4 continues the argument that was introduced in chapter 3. Remember that the premise of the book is that Christ is superior. And that is given in the context of suffering. And the temptation for many to to abandon uh, Christianity in favor of their um, religion of their upbringing. That would be Judaism. And so the writer of Hebrews is presenting Christ in all of his glory, uh, who is superior to, to any and all other options. And so in chapter 3, he argued that Moses, that Jesus is the true and better Moses, um, who, who uh, led the people through the wilderness, but, but didn't bring the Israelites into that rest, the promised land. And the reason uh, he didn't was because he and his generation uh, were disobedient in the wilderness. Um, and so... Um, and so what we meet here is Joshua, who brings the people into the promised land, of course. Uh, but also we, we have a zero in on the issue of finding rest in Christ. So, so I think this chapter is very, very practical. Because what it is that we want ultimately in life is to find rest and peace. And this is why we, we buy into uh, entertainment and wealth and um, successful careers and families and relationships, what we want is peace. Um, and what we find here is uh, the uh, theological foundation of true peace is found in Christ. So skip down to verse 4. He has somewhere spoken of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again, in this passage, he said, they shall not enter my rest. So he's still quoting from the same passage of chapter 3, but now notice he, he zero in on the doctrine of rest with the issue of the Sabbath day. This takes us all the way back to Genesis 1 and 2, really Genesis 2, um, where God rested on the seventh day, not because he was tired, but because he was done. And so what you then have, ideally, in the Garden of Eden, was an existence of peace. Uh, because God has rested, he, he has done creating. However, what the fall does is, is it um, messes with the order of things. And you get chaos. So now what you have is the need for a new creation. And this comes by means of redemption in the biblical storyline. And so, so in the Bible, uh, redemption is rest. Now, ultimate rest isn't realized until um, the day of judgment. Uh, but, but this is where he's starting, that um, God created and then he rested. So, too, uh, he gives us his rest. He gives us his peace. For six, since, therefore, it remains for some to enter it, and those who formerly received the good news failed to enter it because of their disobedience. Referring back to the generation of Moses. Some received it, the, the younger generation, those born in the wilderness, they received it, uh, but that first generation didn't, and the reason was because of disobedience. Again, he appoints a certain day, today, saying through David so long afterward, in the words already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is a sermon. I believe Hebrews is a sermon. Some may disagree with me. But it, it reads like a sermon in that context. He's saying, look, look today is a day of salvation. Today is the day of repentance. Do not harden your hearts. Do, do, do not give in to temptation to, to, to abandon the gospel. Uh, because it is here where you will find your rest. So don't make the mistakes of our ancestors in that they, um, they were doing well. Uh, were liberated uh, from the Egyptians, liberated from their slavery, only to choose slavery again. And there came out of the judgment of God in wilderness. Rather, be the generation that enters into the rest of God. 
verse 8, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken of another day later on. This is a very simple application. He said that, that Joshua gave them the promised land. That is, that is a type of what it is that the Bible speaks of. So, so what you get in the promised land is a new creation story. Because uh, Israel was to be like a Garden of Eden that expanded its borders, reached the nations, and the nations will be blessed by it. Right? This is the story of the Garden of Eden. Well, he says here that if, if Joshua was successful in giving the people their rest, then we wouldn't need David later to say, um, Today, uh, don't harden your heart, um, but pursue rest. And so what he's getting at here is you've got Moses. You think, well, Moses isn't the answer. Joshua is. Joshua gives them rest. Well, okay, but why does the Bible keep bringing up the issue that that what we need is a true and better rest, a true and better promised land? And his point is going to be Christ comes as a true and better Moses and Joshua. And by his death, as the high priest, as he'll say at the end, uh, he gives us true and abiding rest eternally and presently. Verse 9, So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Right, this is the good news of life after death, isn't it? That um, if, if God rests when his work is done, the day will come when we will rest when our work is done. And this is where the tension is in the Bible. We, we, we long for the day where God's joy and peace and rest and love is fully realized in ours. At the same time, we we can have that now. So although we, we wait for the ultimate fulfillment of it, the, the Christian life is one that is being lived in God's rest, in God's peace, in God's love. Okay? So, so yes, we are working now, uh, but we are not working aimlessly. We're not working with vanity. Because in God, in Christ, is our true rest. Verse 11, let us therefore strive to enter that rest. Uh, verse 12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the vision of soul and the spirit, of joints and marrows, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. I suspect we, we, we know this passage well, particularly verse 12. What is it that we, we are to see here? This is the storyline of Scripture. Convicts our hearts, right? It's a two, two-edged sword. Convicts our hearts so that we might um, enter God's rest. Um, and, and that is revealed in Christ. This is the story of Scripture. Therefore, he says, strive to enter that rest. Which, is, which strive means uh, work overload, right? You're going to push hard, you're, you're, you know. But rest is, is the opposite. And, and he's saying, look, persevere through the suffering. Look, look I, I know times are difficult now, but find your rest in Christ and strive for the ultimate rest. Um, and this leads, uh, I really just want to read one verse because it's, it's going to be developed in the next few chapters. And this is Jesus as the great high priest. If you join us tonight, uh, or I'm sorry, tomorrow night, because I started working on it this morning, uh, tomorrow night, um, we're going to look at this, the story arc of the priests in the Bible. We'll start with Adam, going to Melchizedek, and Aaron, and David, and Jesus. Um, and uh, we will talk about this in more detail. But he says there in verse 15, We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So, so I want you to notice what he's doing here. 
when he says striving to enter God's rest, the temptation is to read that and saying that the writer of Hebrews has abandoned the gospel. He seems to suggest that the Christian life is simply obey the rules and don't give up. But what he does is, is he, he allows that tension to be there, that Christ is our true and better high priest, who in him we have our rest. And so when we strive, he is using that language in the context of Christ's finished work upon the cross. In other words, just pursue Jesus. Despite hardships and sufferings and difficulties, Christ, who is a sympathetic high priest, who's been tempted in every way yet without sin, he is like us in every way with all of our weaknesses and everything. He is sympathetic to us. And he is victorious for us so that even when we, we, we are suffering, we can now persevere. And what, what, what awaits us on the other end of perseverance? That of rest. That is the hope of Christianity. That is why whenever we go to a funeral of a believer, there is, there is, um, it's, it's bittersweet, right? It is bitter because we've lost someone we love. It is sweet because we know they have entered God's rest. The rest isn't in the ground. It is in the arms of Christ. There's good news in that. Hope to see you guys here tomorrow.